So we are concluding our series in Jonah. This is week four. We've gone through uh, the whole book. We're in chapter, the, the concluding part of chapter four. And we are going to preach a message. I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach a message this morning called Don't Miss the Point. Don't Miss the Point. And we have seen the, this story about Jonah. And isn't, 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 isn't it been an interesting journey looking at Jonah at his highs and his lows. He's had a lot of lows, mostly lows in this story, and it's going to get even lower as we conclude this this uh, message here, as, as we go through this message. And Jonah was an interesting man, an interesting prophet. And what I realize about Jonah is that Jonah is like all of, we are like Jonah, and Jonah is like us, because Jonah was a human, like we are humans here today. And we make mistakes, and we're flawed, and we can disobey, and sometimes we can miss the point of everything. We can miss the point. Kind of like there's a minister, a story I've heard about a minister. He decided that he wanted to give a visual aid to his congregation to emphasize a point. You know, I've done that a few times, right? Given visual aids and it's helped to emphasize a point. So a minister wanted to give a visual aid and this is what he did. He took four worms and he placed them in four separate jars. The first worm was put in a container of alcohol. The second worm was put in a container of cigarette smoke. The third worm was put in a container of chocolate syrup. And the fourth worm was put in a container of good, clean soil. So at the conclusion of the sermon, the minister reported the following results. The first worm in alcohol was dead. The second worm in cigarette smoke was dead. The third worm in chocolate syrup was dead. The fourth worm in good, clean soil was alive. The pastor thought, I'm brilliant at my visual aids, clearly everyone understands. And everyone got the point. So he gets bold and says, so who knows what that visual aid was meant to communicate? And the woman in the back raises her hands and this is what she says. She says, as long as you drink, smoke, and eat chocolate, you won't have worms. <laughs> you think she got the point? I don't think she got the point. She missed the point of the whole story. Are, are we going to recover from that story? I'm not sure. It's a funny story. But Jonah is missing the point. And we're going to see the height of that in this chapter. And as we conclude this chapter, we're going to read this section here in Jonah 4 verses 5 through, through 11. And let's just, with that in mind, with this idea of missing the whole point of everything, missing all of God's heart, not understanding what God is about and how, and how Jonah is, has missed the point. Let's read this text in Jonah 4 through 5, and then you will see clearly how he misses the point here. So Jonah went out. This is after God has forgiven the people of Nineveh. He has not judged them. Jonah goes out of the city, and he sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. God's so compassionate. But he's got a point. He's trying to make a point here. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm. Speaking of worms, I totally did not connect my worm story with that. I, that's totally, it's really funny. God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. 
When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked Jonah, and he asked that he might die, and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? End of story. We're done. That's it. That's the book of Jonah. It ends right there. God is giving Jonah an object lesson, a visual aid to try to get him to understand the point. He is missing the point. This is the third time in in the book of Jonah. There's three times where he says, I would rather die. He was angry that God gave mercy to Nineveh. Now he's angry that the plant has been destroyed. And God asks him the question, do you do well to be angry about the plant? And he says, as a matter of fact, I do do well to be angry. Yes, I am angry enough to die. And God says, Jonah, you didn't plant the plant. You didn't make it grow. And look at Nineveh. Look at Nineveh. There are over 120,000 persons that don't know their right hand from their left. So what does that mean, over 120,000 persons who don't know their right hand from their left? What that means is is that there are over 120,000 children, kids, babies that don't know. Babies don't know their right hand from their left. That is a description of children. History tells us that Nineveh was well over 600,000 people. God's trying to tell Nineveh, God's trying to tell Jonah, Jonah, this is a great city, but in that great city there are over 120,000 babies. They don't know the right hand from their left. And, and on top of that, there's much cattle. And that's how he ends. This visual illustration, this message to Jonah. And so Jonah missed the point of the whole story. Jonah missed the point of everything. And I, want, I don't want us to miss the point of the book of Jonah. There is, there, there, there is really one singular point to the whole story. And we're going to get to it at the end of this message. But there are two other points that I think we cannot miss that Jonah missed. So let's not miss the point today. Let's not miss the point of the story of Jonah and his disobedience, but his repentance and his, his second chance and, 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 and then, and then him getting angry over the, the repentance of Nineveh. Let's not miss the point of the whole story. So sometimes we can get lost in the weeds or we can miss the trees for the forest. We can miss the point. So what is the point of the book of Jonah? Here's the first point that I, I believe stands out so clear in this story. First one is this, is that God loves bad people. God loves bad people. My first draft of my sermon, I put God loves people. God loves people, but then I wanted to add bad because that's all of us. God loves bad people. He loves people that don't have it all together. God loves sinful people. God loves people that make mistakes. And if we're not careful, we can develop the same mindset that Jonah had. Look at back at Jonah 4.10. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. He said, he said, you pity this plant. You're willing to die over this plant. But there are, there are over 120,000 children in that city. Jonah, don't miss the point, Jonah. You are not more important 
than all of those people. The plant is not more important. Your opinion is not more important. Think of the people. God loves people and he loves bad people. If we're not careful, we can develop this same mindset. It's easy today to develop this mindset. We live in a crazy world. We live in a world that stands in opposition to biblical truth in many different ways. We live in a world of rampant wickedness all around us where people, people, it is their joy to throw off the restraints of morality and to live however they want to live. And it is easy for us in the midst of this culture for us to miss the point that God loves those people. God loves them. He sent his son to die for them. That's the, the most popular scripture. People that don't know the Lord know the scripture, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But we can look at all of the evil around us and, and if we're not careful, we can miss the point like Jonah and grow hard and calloused in our heart towards ungodly people. But we cannot miss the point. You know, it's so sad. We see the painful effects of people that throw off restraints, that throw off morality. We see the broken families and that is one of the biggest effects of people throwing off the restraints of God and his laws and his word is that families are broken. Do you see it around you today? Families are broken. And the impact of sin that it has on families, on marriages, and on kids, any type of lifestyle that you see that is out there, I believe it can be traced back. Any type of lifestyle of sin that is out there can be traced back to the breakdown of marriage and the breakdown of family. We see the painful effects. If we're not careful... We can love God's provision in our life more than we love people. Hear me. I'm guilty of it just as you are guilty of it at times. We can love God. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for all the things you've provided in my life. And if we're not careful, we can insulate ourselves in the middle of a crazy world. And we can love God's provision for us more than we love the world around us. That's the point of the story of Jonah is Jonah, don't miss the point that I love people. And they even love the bad people in the world. Jonah loved the plant, but God loved the people of Nineveh. Jonah loved the plant, but God loved the people of Nineveh. Jonah had more concern over his own self-interest and shade over his head than he did for an entire entire city of people who were willing to repent. Think about that. He was more concerned about shade on his bald head. I assume he was bald. On his bald head than he was, more, than he was concerned over a whole city that was willing to repent. So what, what, what does this teach us? It teaches us that God's love is his premier attribute. The love of God is the height of who God is. His love is his supreme attribute. It is because of his love that we exist. It is because of his love that we breathe. It is because of his love that we have any form of goodness or grace or mercy or reconciliation or forgiveness. It is because of his love. Love, the love of God is his supreme attribute. I want to read 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Listen to this. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from who? God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So if you don't love others, you don't know. Wow. Is that true? Yeah. 
Whoever has been born of God and knows God, they love. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because why? Because God is love. So love comes from God and God is love. God is love. God, love is a, is a part of his nature. God is a perfect representation of love. God perfectly demonstrates what love is because love is who he is. Love is his nature. There's a quote here by John Piper about this to illustrate it even further. I love the way he describes God's love. He means that love is from God. Listen to this. The way heat is from fire. The way light is from the sun. Love belongs to God's nature. It's woven into who he is. It's a part of what it means to be God. The sun gives light because it is light. And fire gives heat because it is heat. And love comes from God because God is love. And God's love is not like our love. And this is where Jonah got it mixed up. This is where we get it mixed up. This is where we struggle. We struggle like Jonah. So let's not put ourselves up on the high holy hill here and think that we're not like Jonah. That we do in our weaknesses and in our frailty, we revert to ideas like Jonah. And we want people to get what they deserve. And we want those evil people to get what is coming to them. But God's love is not like our love. Our love is not like God's love. God's love is, is different than ours. And what, what is the premier attribute of our love? If you were to describe human love, human love would be described as conditional. Conditional. It's based upon something that someone else does. God's love is not like ours. Human love at its core is conditional. So here, let's describe what human love is like. I will love you if you meet my needs. Right? 50-50. Hey, you meet my needs, I'll meet your needs. And I'll love you if you meet my needs. A lot of marriages, that's how people get into marriages. I will love you, I will stay committed to you as long as you love me and meet my needs. It's a flawed foundation. I will love you if you tell me how awesome I am. Thank you for the happy birthday song. I love you. But you don't always love me. You don't always like me, do you? Some of you don't always like me. Right? You don't always love me. That's impossible because I talk a lot. You talk a lot, somebody's bound not to like you, right? But that, that's, that's how it works. It's conditional. I will love you if you make me feel good about myself. I will love you if you don't disappoint me. I will love you if you don't hurt me. I will love you if you love me. We only love those who love us. That's our tendency. That's what we do. We only love those who love us. But what does God do? He loves his enemies, which is all of us. He loves his enemies. And in the Sermon on the Mount, look at, look at, look at Luke chapter 6. But I say to you, I, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is it to you? Wow. Jesus, Jesus cut straight to the heart. For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. 
But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Wow. Jesus, his words were so powerful. Look at what he said there. He said, there's no benefit to you that if, if you only love those who love you or you only do good to those who do good to you, yeah, you come, you come give me, you come give me a thousand dollars. I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to give you a hug on the neck. You come give me master's tickets to, to you can't get any more for 20, um, in, in case any of you are considering it, you can't get any more for 2019, they're so, or 2020, they're all sold out, but 2021, I'm available. You come give me master's tickets, you, I will be your best friend. You see what he's saying here? Jonah missed the whole point that God loves people and that God's love is different than his love. And God wanted Jonah to love the people. See, he was a prophet sent to bring warning of God's impending judgment to the people of Nineveh. But he had missed the point. He wanted to see judgment. God doesn't want judgment for his people. God wants mercy for his people. Jonah came to bring judgment. God wanted mercy. Jonah had missed the whole point of his calling as a prophet. This is the point that God is trying to get across to his prophet. I love these people. These people are made in my image. They are intrinsically valuable. Yes, their evil and their sins speak against them, but my love is for them. Did you hear that? Yes, their evil and their sin speaks against them, but God's love is for them. And if that's hard for you to hear, if that's hard for you to hear, you've forgotten where you came from. The evil, their evil and their sin speak against them, but my love is for them. I desire that they would turn to me. So how do we know God loves bad people? Because God loves me. And God loves you. I read this scripture a couple of weeks ago, Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the point. This is one of the main points of the story of Jonah. That God loves people and he wants them to repent. He longs that no one should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And Jonah had disconnected himself from the heart of God and he had missed the whole point that God <coughs> loves people. Even the wicked people of Nineveh. So, so living word, let's not miss the point here today. God loves the world around us. And we come in a little bubble here on Sundays, and it's nice. I love it. I love it. I love worshiping God with you. But there's a lost and a dying world out there. There's a world that, that is looking for hope. They're looking for answers. They're filling the void in their heart with so many things. God loves them. And it's why. We exist. Let's not miss the point. Jonah missed the point. I pray we never miss the point. God loves bad people. And secondly, here's another major point in this whole story. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's look back at Jonah 4, 11. And God says to Jonah, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? He says, Jonah, should not I have mercy? Shouldn't mercy triumph over judgment? Don't you understand this is my heart? 
I want to give mercy. And yes, mercy comes and forgiveness comes when people repent. And this is what we see with Nineveh. They acknowledge their sin. They acknowledged that they were guilty. They repented of their rebellion against God. And it was the, it was the overflow of God's heart to have mercy triumph over judgment. And that is culminated most perfectly in the cross. That in Jesus Christ, mercy triumphs over judgment. Jonah makes his way to a secluded place to overlook the city. To wait and see what's going to happen to Nineveh. Sometimes that's what we do. We look at the world around us and we, we see the news. We watch the stories and the craziness that goes around. And sometimes we, we sit back in the corner and we look over a people. We look over a city and we think, well, what's going to happen to those folks? We sit back and wait. Man, judgment's going to come to those people. I wouldn't want to be them. Jonah makes his way to a secluded place. He overlooks his city. Perhaps God will still judge them for their wickedness. Perhaps it's going to be this year that God's going to judge New Orleans because of Mardi Gras. Hmm? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But it's true. So we think sometimes, perhaps, God ought to to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at all the Mardi Gras stuff that goes on. Look at Bourbon Street. Man, we, we can't have those thoughts. God loves those people. God tells Jonah, don't you get it? People are more valuable than plants. People are more valuable than plants. Mercy triumphs over judgment. God loves bad people and mercy triumphs over judgment. We can be so quick to want people to get what they deserve. Because why? Because they earned it. Because they earned it. They are reaping what they sowed. That's what we think. They are reaping what they sowed. They earned it. Oh, I pray that I I never had that mindset. Because if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be here. If we all got what we deserved, we wouldn't be here. Thank the Lord that mercy triumphed over judgment in Christ. And that I don't get what I deserve. And you don't get what you deserve. It's a powerful story. I, I want to show you a video here in just a second. I want to give the backstory before we show the video. But this is a powerful example of mercy triumphing over judgment. You may have heard in the news, there's a woman named Amy Geiger. She was a police officer in Dallas, Texas. And in 2018, while she was off duty, she went home to her apartment complex. And she got to the wrong floor. And she went into the apartment. I don't know if it was above or below But she went into the door that would have been her apartment, but she was on the wrong floor. And she opened the door and she walked in to her. It was not her apartment. And there was a man in there, which she assumed was an intruder. And she shot and killed him while he was eating ice cream on his couch watching TV. And he died. And so it goes to trial. She gets convicted. She's sentenced to 10 years in prison. And... And what you're about to hear is the brother of the man that was killed. So the man that was killed, his name was Botham. So you'll hear the name Botham on the video. The man that you're going to hear, his name is Brant. And so Brant thought, and and I found out this later, Brant thought that there were no cameras running. This was after the sentencing. He wanted to make sure that he said something to Amy Geiger. So watch this video. I don't want to... say twice or 
for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just... I hope you go to God with all what all the guilt all the things the bad things you may have done in the past each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do if you truly are sorry i know i can speak for myself i i forgive you and i know if you go to god and ask him he will forgive you And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did. But I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. That's, that's mercy triumphing over judgment. It's powerful. First time I heard that, just couldn't help but have tears well up in me. Because I can't imagine sitting in, in that seat, being able to say that to that woman. He was 18 years old, saying that from his heart. Mercy triumphing over judgment. Do you remember the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery in John 8? 
Her sin was against her. Her sin was against her, just like this woman, just like Amy Geiger. The the evidence was there. She had committed the crime. The woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And the Pharisees came and brought the woman to the feet of Jesus and said, Look, the law says to stone her. The law says to stone her, but mercy triumphs over judgment. And Jesus gets down on the ground and he begins to write in the dirt. We don't know what he wrote, but he began to write in the dirt. And he looked up at the ones who had the stones in their hands ready to stone the woman because she was guilty. And he said, you, without sin, cast the first stone. And they all left one by one. And Jesus stood alone with the woman. He looks at her and says, where are your accusers? And they said, she said, they're, they're gone. He said, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And he, she walks away. And I don't know what Jesus wrote in the dirt, but maybe, maybe he wrote this, Isaiah 53. But he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Maybe that's what he wrote. He could say to the woman caught in the act of adultery. I took your punishment. I took your condemnation. I'm going to take it. There's no more condemnation. John Bloom, he's an author and a blogger, he writes this, Our sins, the dark lust, the destructive tongue, the murderous hatred, the corrupting greed, the treachery, they all stand exposed before God as clearly as the woman's sins in that temple courtyard. Our shameful guilt is obvious and our condemnation is justified. And yet, from the Son of God come these stunning words, Neither do I condemn you. Why? Because he has been condemned in our place. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We have all sinned. Romans 3 says, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the gospel that mercy triumphs over judgment. That we all deserve judgment. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the first part of it says, for the wages of sin is death. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But the greatest word in all the Bible comes after those verses. It's the word, but it's the word but b u t romans 6 23 b but the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord amen mercy triumphs over judgment we were by nature children of wrath just like the rest of mankind ephesians 2 4 5 says but god being rich in what Mercy triumphs over judgment because of the great love. Because of his great love with which he loved us, bad people. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Don't miss the point, Jonah. 
Don't miss the point. Mercy triumphs over judgment. God came for bad people. God loves bad people. Don't miss the point, Living Word Church. God loves bad people just like you and me. People that are rebellious by nature. People that were dead in their sins. People that don't deserve forgiveness. But in Christ, mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. The last lesson of this story of a rebellious, disobedient, and short-sighted prophet is this. This is the last lesson. Let's go to Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let's get the last lesson. This is the beginning of the book, right? It's the beginning of our journey four weeks ago. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. So here's the last lesson. I paraphrased it for us. Now the word of the Lord came to living word church, the sons and the daughters of the living God saying, arise, go to Nineveh. That's the third lesson. Arise, go to Nineveh. Go. We're called to go. We're not called to stay. We're not called in Matthew 28, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. Baptizing them, teaching, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of all nations. Go, therefore. Go, arise, go to Nineveh. Who, where is Nineveh in your life? Who are the people in your life? Nineveh is all around us. At Walmart, at Rouse's, at the gas station. Maybe in your house. On your job. Arise, go to Nineveh. Jonah missed the point. The whole point of him going to Nineveh was so that God would forgive them. And that's why he sends us. Arise and go. We're not called to bunker ourselves in the middle of this crazy world. We're called to put our light on a stand. Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And this is the ultimate conclusion to the book of Jonah. This is the ultimate point that we are all called to arise and go to Nineveh. We're all called as prophets. You're a prophet here today. Did you know it? Maybe, maybe you thought, I'm not a prophet, I'm not the son of a prophet, I don't know what's going on here. No, you're a prophet. What does a prophet do? They prophesy. What do they speak? The word of the Lord. What do you have in your mouth? The word of the Lord. And Nineveh is all around us here today. So I want to challenge us here today. Yeah, there's lots of empty seats. Look around. Look. Check out all the empty seats. Who in Nineveh out there needs to be there? There's a big upper section right there. A lot of empty seats right there. Arise. Let's go to Nineveh. Let's go to the lost. Let's go to the hurting. Let's go to the dying. And let's go with the message of the gospel. Let's go and tell them that yes, judgment is coming. And that they need to repent. But that God loves them. And God provided a way for them to be forgiven. Arise and go to Nineveh. Let's not miss the point. Like Jonah. Each one of us is called by God to go and proclaim the word of the Lord to those around us. This is why we exist as a church. 
Our message is that everyone has fallen short of God's glory. Everyone needs forgiveness. Our message is that God loves bad people. God loves bad people who think they're good. The good news is that mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. Amen. Stand your feet with me here today.